This week's guest is really going to help you get out of your comfort zone. She's a degree in business and years of experience in sales. Today, we talked about public speaking, dealing with rejection in sales, what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry, and the power of active listening, and so much more. My guest today is Abby Lagerquest, and you guys are going to love her. She's a ball of uplifting confidence and has the power to make anyone laugh. Let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to The Daily with Emily, where I'll be serving you your fix of all things entrepreneur life, bigger and bolder selling, and the tough love mindset that you probably needed to hear. Okay, welcome, Abby. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself really quick? Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me. And it- so thankful to have you on. <laughs> And yeah, my name's Abby Lagerquist. I'm the marketing and special events manager at Walkin' Motors Ford here in <laughs> Vernon. <laughs> and uh, what it, the Ford Fact Friday, or Ford, no, what do you do? Yeah, Ford, Ford Fact Friday. Friday. Wasn't it on Tuesdays before? Truck Tip Tuesday. Truck Tip, but you had to change. I had to change. I had to rebrand because there's only so much you can talk about with trucks. Oh. And honestly, like I learned so much from Abby's. Of all, Garrett has a 2013 Ford, okay. that's great 50. And I'm like, I think we need to upgrade. Like, his doesn't have all these fancy Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. And yeah, like, I do a lot of features about older vehicles as well. And I'm like, I feel like it only hits a certain target, but. Well, yeah. But everyone's like, ooh, I love all the, like, the knickknacks of this new four. And I love that. I know. Like, nobody needs massaging seats, but we, de- we need them. No, we need them. <laughs> we don't have them. I don't have them. And Garrett doesn't have them, but we need them. Right. Um, And Abby has, so you do it on TikTok. Um, mostly Instagram reels, actually. Okay. I've just started going into TikTok. Because I have seen you on TikTok and you had something go like semi-viral. Yes. Which, how did that feel? It felt kind of crazy. I think I had, I think I have over 45,000 views yeah, yeah, yeah. on it. And it was yeah. just the stupidest trend, like hitting the gritty. And, um, it took me 11 seconds to make. Oh, <laughs> and, they're always like that. It's like the straight ones are like, if people want to, my one video that went pretty viral, um, Everyone was so mean. Like, did you have any really rude comments? Oh, I had to I had to turn off the comments for sure. And I think it's better for peace of mind. And also because I'm an, an ambassador for the Walking Motors Ford brand, yeah, I think it was, it was important to just turn off comments because TikTok is a breeding ground for hate, I think. I have an episode planned. I think it's literally called, like, uh, the TikTok broke mindset because everyone's so negative. It so is. mean like it, it's terrible i actually sorry and no you're good. yeah yeah um i do have a tiktok with over a million views what were you doing on that um it was my friend shelby and i yeah camping and our friend's quad tire blew up so there's a big hole in it and our one friend there who's vegetarian brought a bunch of asparagus like <laughs> 20 pounds of asparagus okay. And I was laughing because I was like, oh, you should have brought a spare, I guess. Like, yeah. you know, a spare tire, but it's asparagus. So we made a joke about that. And it got over a million views. And every comment was like, when girls think they're funny and her voice is manly. And is she oh, even a girl? And I was like, damn. And I deleted TikTok for a year. Because of that. <laughs> like- <laughs> okay. It's funny because this is my, I have a very like high pitch, in my opinion. I think my voice is high pitched. 
whiny, like valley girl. And it's funny because when I hear your voice, like it is on a lower tone than mine, but I'm like, it sounds so like authoritative. Like I feel like people okay. listen to what you have to say. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because I actually met with, well, the professor from UBCO. Yeah. yeah. Who went out for coffee this week. He said that I have a very captivating presence. Yeah. And I was like, what a compliment. Like I was like, that was really cool to hear. Yeah, I think like, they actually talk about this. This is so sidetracked, but I think it's a good point because they talk about this. Like, I listen to so much true crime and they say that women, like if you're getting abducted, if somebody's like doing something to you, you need to like calm down, not be screaming because like people don't like hysterical women. Like they'll turn okay. away. So like if you literally, if you're getting kidnapped, you're like, stop, <laughs> stop, don't come near me. I don't know this person, like very authoritative and like lower pitch and people will listen to you yeah interesting fact so maybe that's why good yeah good to know maybe that's why i'm still here today so. <laughs> okay so abby actually had a really really cool experience recently that i knew that she did this but i didn't really know until just recently you told this story and it was so cool um so do you want to just talk about how that how that became because i think that that is like the most bizarre exciting thing and you putting yourself out there and just like telling people what you do got you like the coolest fucking experience so yeah it was I mean it all started with just being opportunistic like the the way I think and I'm you know very optimistic person too and I really wanted to start opening myself to opportunities in the business kind of workspace entrepreneurial aspect and I met you know the person I was sitting with on a plane from Calgary to Kelowna what were you doing in I was visiting my friend Dina yeah, for her okay. 30th. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we're coming back on a plane. I'm, you know, I'm quite hungover. I'm like, you know, not really like feeling it. But the the gentleman beside me was just like, he had this like really nice demeanor about like, it was a busy plane. We were the only row with a seat in between us. And I made a little joke and I was like, hey, like, we're pretty lucky, eh? Like nobody came and sat by us. And he was like, I was thinking the same thing. And you kind of just start, I feel like the first thing you ask someone is like, so what do you do? Like, I feel like that's such did a- you ask him or did he ask He him? asked me. Actually. I love that. Actually, and sorry, I have to pause on this yeah. because this is something like Garrett's starting, he literally just quit his job. Like, I know, okay. it was kind of yesterday, super exciting. But that's what I actually, that's advice I always give. I'm like, in order to, it seems selfish, but in order to like get yourself- Out there. Out there. It's very common to be like, oh, what do you do for work? And then they'll ask you in return. Mm -hmm. And then you can then go and like brag about yourself. Yeah. So I, I love that he did that because that's like a tactic that I do. I don't know if that was strategic for him or what. But. Right. And it was just like it was an opportunity that I read as this is a time for me. I don't know this man at yeah. all. Like probably will never see him again. You know, I was thinking that I was like, mm -hmm. sure, I'm just going to go off. So I told him that I'm the marketing manager at a local Ford dealership. I have my bachelor's of business administration specializing in marketing and sales. And he just kind of looked at me and he's like, and I asked him, I was like, what about yourself? And he says, he's a marketing research professor at UBCO. And I was like, no way. Like marketing research was one of my favorite courses, like my classes. And we talked for the entire 45 minute flight, like yeah. nonstop. I really liked it because as a, I've always liked school. I've, you've known that about yeah. me. Like I've, I've. Abby's uh, very smart. It's like, Abby's the funniest person. She's like so smart, gorgeous, authoritative, high confidence. Like the list could go on, but yes, very smart. And we're going to get into like what you thought for school. Yeah. 
And I just found that like, I really connect with teachers and I really connect with the way they challenge you with questions. I think I've just always loved to be challenged in that sense and have just good discussion. So he just started challenging me with these questions about like, oh, how's the market been in COVID versus now? And how are you guys doing with sales versus your competitors? Who are your competitors? What are your top vehicles you sell? He was genuinely curious because he's been in the marketing research profession before he was a professor. So he has his own marketing research company based out of Alberta. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. And it was, and he worked for like the top bank in Alberta to do marketing research and all that cool stuff. So he's never worked in automotive. So he was genuinely curious, but I could tell, I forgot how much I knew until you talk to somebody who isn't in the industry. It's crazy to see how, how much knowledge you have. And it was really awesome to talk to somebody who wanted to learn too. So I got that vibe from him. That yeah. He, and then it makes you feel really comfortable speaking because you're like, this person is like genuinely yeah. intrigued. That's what I have to say. Yeah. And it made me more excited and it really showed my passion. And that's mm-hmm. what really saw it for him. He's like, he's like, you could tell you're passionate about what you do. Mm-hmm. He's like, even if you weren't working where you are, he's like, I can tell you're the kind of person that puts all in. And I was like, yeah, like I do like to, because I'm such a loyal person. Yeah. And especially with automotive, that's one of the most brand loyal customers. And, um, so, so he reached out to me uh, a week later on LinkedIn because I, I gave him my business card and everything. And I was like, I was like, yeah, like or he asked me, he's like, look me out on LinkedIn because he actually wrote an article like six years ago about how he didn't like the Chevrolet commercials. And I laughed. I was like, oh, my God, that's hilarious because we make fun of those shampoo commercials <laughs> as like, you know, as Ford people because we're yeah. biased in, in that sense. So I looked up all of his articles and I started reading like six of them that he's written in the past 10 years. And I was like, so interesting. And then he reached out and asked if I would want to be a guest lecturer in one of his intro marketing classes. How did that feel? Because you're how old are you? 20, 25. Um, how did it feel to be 25 and like doing such a cool, being asked to do something like such a big thing? It, I almost felt like an imposter syndrome. Like I was like, I'm not an adult yet. Like I'm still a kid. Like I was like, there's like no way. Like, of course I said, yes, I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yes, I want to do this. So then, um, yeah, we, we set up the date for, uh, the end of March and that was back in January. So I had a couple of months notice. And he just, uh, we had a Zoom call and he, and I kind of asked him, I was like, why do you want me to, like, you know, I kind of, I didn't really question it, but I wanted to hear his perspective. And yeah, he said, he was like, well, I think it's important to show my students that there is different avenues to do a marketing career. He's like, he's like, honestly, because it's an intro class, 80% of them don't want to do a marketing job, like don't want it as their career, but they, it's a mandatory class. So I thought, okay, like, how am I going to bring this presentation in to try to tell, um, you know, these students who are not as much younger than me about like, about how you can just get out of post-secondary and get a career in the field you want. Yeah. And I was like, and honestly, like, I think it was a huge opportunity for me to also talk about, don't be so against certain industries. I actually, this is... I haven't, I don't even think I've told anyone this. I did, um, in my sales course, in my last year in college, 
I did a presentation talking about how I wanted to be in sales. I actually wanted to be in like wine tourism kind of sales. I remember that. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And my legit presentation was called, you don't have to be a car salesman. Yeah. Okay. And here we are. are. Like I did car sales. So I was like, I think it's so funny that there is such a, like you have such an idea about what an industry and what a job is. But until you go experience it, you have no idea. No, that's that's so true. And I also feel like car sales is probably a pretty good thing to get into if you're going to be working on sales to learn. I know we're going to talk about like rejection and stuff later, but because there, I feel like there's a lot of people coming in, like you would have a lot of turnover as for like real estate. It's like a big deal, big make or break. I just personally, oh, I have no fucking idea what anything about being in real estate or yeah. Um, like car salesman, but that's how I would picture. I would picture there would be more flow coming in, so then you could like get better at it. Yeah, definitely right. And I think that one of the aspects I was able to talk about with these students at the UBCO lecture was, um, don't be afraid to look at all different businesses, and because every business needs marketing, so I was like, every business needs sales. Whether even it could be the hospital too. Like hospitals, they need brand. Like they need they they're a core business, right? And um, even like if you go to the public sector, anything with the government, or if you go on your own yourself, like you do all your own marketing, you do all your own finance accounts. Like you're all one business. Well, and it's something that I have no expertise in. And we're like we're gonna jump into you talking about being in business school. I obviously have I've never taken a business training. I have to. I took a coaching program. Um, everything I've learned is through coaching. Um, business coaching and learning how to um, how to market, how to sell, putting yourself out there, confidence, all these things that we're going to talk about today. But can you talk about why you would encourage business school? Business school is something that I actually did think about um, year, like years ago because I remember being like a little kid and knowing that I wanted to have a business. It just always felt really like intriguing to me. So I remember not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I felt like I had to like choose a direction and one of the things that I was like, well, I could go to business school, but I, I don't know. I held myself back from it. So, yeah, I think I think especially as young women were pushed to go to the healthcare field. Yeah, I just feel yeah. like that's such a huge like t- nothing against that, of course. Like, oh, my God, I, I went and did a job shadow at Vernon Jubilee Hospital for a respiratory tech. And um, I thought it was super intriguing and interesting. But I just felt it wasn't for me. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I'm not this kind of person. Like, and um, didn't want to do that as a, like a professional career. And it was actually, I sat down with my dad and he said he was listening to CBC. And there were people talking about like, hey, if, if your kid doesn't know what they want to do, tell them to go to business school. Because everyone, everything, every time you look around, it's a business. They said, any you can do any different avenue. And a business degree is such like, a core well-rounded educational program that it is if you go on indeed and you're searching for jobs or anything a lot of the times it's one of the like requirements of like do you have a business diploma at least or a degree or any kind of credits yeah because it's such that well-rounded program of you learn all the different aspects i took hr courses accounting finance tourism hospitality restaurant management and marketing and sales all in just four years. Yeah. So I think it's that's something that I tell people. I'm like, if you don't really know what to do, but you don't want to waste your money, because that that's one thing too. I understand it's a huge investment. I mean, it's 
tens of thousands of dollars to go into. Yeah, how much was your whole school? I think it was, if I include textbooks and everything, it was just over 30 grand. Okay. I was, but that's a car. Like my first car that I bought yeah. that I financed was 33 grand. And I was super fortunate. I chose Okanagan College. You can do your whole four-year program at Okanagan College. Mm -hmm. And it actually has a higher employment rate of OC graduates than like UBCO business graduates. And UBCO is like double, triple yeah. the price. So yeah. there's, I, and I am, we're from small town. I mean, I would never knock down like the, the underdog. Like I'm always in favor of them. So I yeah. was like, OC is like, it was a better transition for me coming from, you know, a class size of 20 in high school to go to another class size of 20 to 30 in Okanagan College here in yeah. Vernon and Kelowna. So also I like smaller groups in general. Yes. And if you're learning the same information, like, of course, if you want to go to a university or, yeah, um, Something I actually just heard that I believe it's the states. Do they? No, they have universities. It was somewhere else in the world. She moved to Canada and she was like, people dissed me that I was going to college and not university. Yeah. And she was like, that just wasn't a thing where, where I'm from. I can't remember where, where it was. But yeah, that, there's a little bit of like a stigma, I think. There is. I, <laughs> I think that if I were to go, well, yeah, like business would be the most interesting to me. I think the cool thing about the business program a lot of it was the professors so the professors especially at Okanagan College I mean that's my only experience that's all I can attest to but they have real world experience so a lot of my professors started businesses from the ground up yeah love sold them to home hardware and like sold them to these huge companies and like and things like that so my one my marketing research professor was actually one of the top researchers for Google for wearable, oh. wearable technology. Yeah. He got the one of the first prototypes of Google Glasses and he brought them into our class. And there was only like 15 of us in that class. So we got so much one-on-one -on -one time. Yeah, I love that. And I actually still have snap memories. It's like sometime in March, they always show up and we're all wearing, like we each got to wear the Google Glasses. And yeah, it was so cool that we got those experiences. Those are the things you remember. Do I remember like the like the things I used to have to for macroeconomics and microeconomics and that I would just drill into my brain so I could pass tests. No, no. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> um, I remember all those little experiences with my peers, with the professors and all the extracurriculars like Enactus that I was in. Like, so it's like a business leadership type style and yeah, all of that. That's why I would recommend post-secondary in a whole. I think that I have a way better well-rounded education yeah. because I was open to so many opportunities. I mean, I'm paying for it. So I want to get the most out of it. Well, and it's actually interesting because everything you listed, like marketing, accounting, um, even like hospitality, all of those things are things that I use like literally on my day-to-day -day basis. Accounting is such a good thing to know too. Like even as a non-business owner, like to understand taxes, I think is huge. Yeah. And then going on to like investing and knowing how to get better tax write-offs and all those things. That's such good knowledge to have. Mm -hmm. So I think just, you t I absolutely 100% agree with you that if you want to go back to school for something, um, I'm also like a big believer that you don't have to go to school to be of successful. Course. And of course, you have the exact same thoughts. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I absolutely agree with that in general, that those all sound like really good things. Okay, so obviously you learned sales while going to business school. And sales is probably one of my favorite topics because I genuinely hated sales. For, it was like the death of me. Um, and of course, dealing with rejection because when it comes to sales, rejection is just a huge part of that process. 
So what was it like dealing with rejection in the beginning and how do you deal with it now? And what did the process of overcoming this look like for you? Oh my goodness. Yeah. If I could go into the feeling I had when I started in car sales for that six months was probably some of the darkest days I've ever had. Um, I mean, in post-secondary, my, I took like three different sales classes. They don't teach you about rejection. They teach you like best case scenarios. Like if a customer walks in and you want to sell them this product, they're going to say yes. And I was like, great. Um, I think I took a couple of like psychology classes, which is super interesting. And I was able to take a psychology class and consumer behavior. Those actually help me more with the real real case scenarios yeah. in sales. Um, so I'd highly recommend that, even if it's not uh, through like a post-secondary like bachelor's degree or diploma, even if it's just on your own time and there's like anything you want to learn, like YouTube, like yeah. psychology and consumer behavior. But anyway, I think dealing with rejection, the first thing I had to overcome was not taking it personally, which is so hard for me because I want everyone to like me. <laughs> It wasn't it you too? Like we were talking in the car recently and you were like, I never dealt with rejection really throughout my life. So then you're like, yeah. wow, slam in the face. You're like, does anybody like me? Like, why do you want to buy this car for me? Yeah, literally. And like, I don't want to sound conceited, but yeah, like I haven't really been rejected once. So it's That's like amazing. in that sense, but then for sales and in the, you know, and especially in the domestic car sales where it's like mostly trucks you're dealing with. It was hard to get looked at in the face and told, I don't want to speak with you. I don't trust you. I don't and like just being told that I'm I'm slimy and I'm after all their money. And I was like, I'm just here to show you this nice truck. Like, I'm sorry. It's so interesting because we've actually talked about this too, that when somebody goes into a dealership, you know, some people might literally just be browsing. They're like, yeah. Do I want to buy a Ford? Do I want to buy a Dodge? Do I want to buy a Chevy? Right. Like mm -hmm. going in, but a lot of the time people are going there for a purpose, right? Like if Garrett's going to go to the truck dealership to go look at trucks, he might not purchase that day. We never purchase on the same day, which is kind of like a rule that we've made for ourselves. Um, but like they're there to purchase a vehicle. So it's interesting when somebody's like, I don't want to talk to you. And you're like, well, I'm genuinely here to help you. Like you can't. This is my job. You're like, I you can't buy a vehicle without, without a salesperson. Exactly. If you're genuinely just looking, like, please help yourself. And that's fine. You can say that. I, I'm just looking around. All good. Yeah. And I think one a good piece of advice I got from management and I have a super supportive management and coworkers where I work. Um, one of them told me, like, make one of your first questions. What do you want to accomplish today? Yeah, that establishes so much trust and understanding between yourself and the customer. And it helped me with dealing through those. I didn't have to deal with rejection after that. Because I wasn't crying when I shouldn't have been. Yeah. So if somebody came in onto the lot was looking at a truck, I ask them, you know, I introduce myself and then I say, what would you like to accomplish today? Would you like to drive away with a new vehicle or are you here just to like look around and get some like rough numbers and everything? Then from there, they're able to tell me so that I don't ask them the questions that I would have got rejected. for. Right. So I'm already creating those kind of scenarios. It's all about managing expectations. We learned about that, too, in my event marketing class, because a huge thing with events with your storefront if you have like your own business is um especially like let's go with lineups okay so or if somebody dms you and they're like hey like i want to make an appointment if you have something to reach out to them and say 
oh, hey, like I'm just super busy at the moment or I'll get back to you within one business day. You're you're managing that expectation for your potential customer. Yeah. Instead of you not telling them that, then they're going to be mad. So 100 percent. Yeah. So I think it's important in any aspect you can figure out how to manage expectations. And that's something huge to overcome rejection. So I don't have to go through those obstacles and get rejected. Right. And um, so that was that was super helpful for me from my um, team that asked me that and told me that. But then, yeah, I think another huge thing was to just be to do my research. I, I understand I'm coming into a male dominated industry and I'm going to be our the majority of our customers are men over the age of 45. Yeah. Do they want a 25 year old? woman to be telling them that oh like this actually engine is what can tow your trailer more or something they don't like that so I have to make sure though that I know my shit like I gotta know my info and my product knowledge so in the first month I worked there I created 300 flashcards about just about the f-150 not even about the other vehicles like I was wanting to know everything it gave me such a good base knowledge about how, what people are looking for in vehicles and every year it changes so of course I'm not making those that amount of flashcards every year but but your confidence probably grew as well yes and I, I think confidence is such a big piece when it comes to like what you're selling oh or yeah. feeling comfortable to even like talk about what you're selling 100% and especially because people know when you're lying in the new ages of everybody having like a computer and all the knowledge of the world in their hands if they ask me a question that they know the answer to and I don't, you're not supposed to bullshit them. Like I'm not, and I'd be real with customers. If they ask me a question about turbos and stuff where I have absolutely no clue, I'll be real with them and say, you know, I don't actually know that answer, but I'm going to go and look for it for you. Or make them feel supported. Like in my industry, you might have somebody you could be like, I'm going to ask somebody yeah. or like, let's pull this person over who can help us. Right. But for me, yeah, I'm always willing. Like if I'm not, if somebody asks me something and they don't know, I know a million people in the lash industry. So I'm like, I can help you with this. Or this isn't really my niche topic. Mm-hmm. Let me send you to somebody else I think is going to be a better fit. And I think that really also creates trust because maybe I know we're talking about car sales here, mm-hmm. but in my industry, like if I push that, not push that person away, but direct them into a different place to go deal with somebody else, they might come back to me when they're looking for maybe what I have to offer. Exactly. And that also is really important to be able to, yeah, be honest with them, say, I don't really know anything about this topic or I'm not the right person. Yeah. And I think um, doing that helps me deal with the rejection and also, but really owning it, not saying it in a negative way, like, oh, I don't, um, like not putting yourself down, like, oh, like, I don't know anything. Let me go ask. Like, but yeah. saying, oh, yeah. oh, sorry, I actually don't know that exact answer. Yeah. Let me just double check on that. Yeah. Um, one thing that my manager does really old school way, but if a customer asks you a a price on a truck and let's say you're like so overwhelmed that day and you totally forget, you can make light of situations too. Like, oh man, I don't even know where we park these things, let alone the exact price. Like, let me get that for you. Yeah. You know, and like, just be real with people. Cause when you can sense that vibe, like I dealt with real estate agents before and I've been like, man, like. I would never purchase a home for you because you can like sense either that they're like really hungry for that sale. I'm also a very specific type of buyer. Mm-hmm. You talked about that. Yes. Um, or if that you can just, yeah, they're tell, you can tell they're not being authentic or they're not comfortable in the situation they're in. I'm like, ooh, this doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. I like people who like look super 
confidence as well. So like making a joke like that would, that'd be so up my alley. I think also a part of dealing with rejection in, in my space, but also industries where it's a luxury item, like, like lashes and like, you know, things like that. Um, to remember that this is an investment for them. I mean, a vehicle is your second largest purchase in your life. So I have to also think like, okay, like it's, it's another day for me, but this is like somebody's livelihood. This is going to be their commuter vehicle. This has to be a vehicle that can safely transport their kids to and from school to soccer practice. Like you have to really think about, you know, the aspect of what the customer is in. And it really helped me that I bought a vehicle previously from a different dealership. And I was able to attest to my experience and be like, oh, I remember when I was buying my first car, you know, and I was like, I have to remember to slow down the process. And also with the it helps dealing with the rejection more. They say that a lot like market research, right? Like asking and this is a lot of my I don't know if you guys would do this in your industry. But yeah, like taking you back to a position where you're like, oh, yeah, I remember those exact feelings that came up for me. I do that a lot in sales, too, when I storytell all my posts about my experience around lash retention or how frustrated I was when I didn't know how to build an online course. Um, bringing those those feelings that I brought out into the content that I share really helps people understand and relate to what they're like, oh, this person's not just successful or, um, you know, is pushing me to buy this course like they get it and now look at how well they're doing so i know that's a little bit different with car sales but um yeah similar just relating to the customer yeah so i think that's that's the main focus of the rejection but it was hard and it's okay to not feel okay i think like i definitely needed better coping mechanisms than just going and drinking like like i understand why this industry breeds you know i don't want to say like alcoholics and stuff but you know, it breeds the party life a lot of times right. of the young car sales um, industry. So I think if I develop better coping mechanisms too, I could have done it longer. I am confident now that if I were to, I go on the sales floor every now and then when uh, we are like short staffed or anything. And I made a sale the other month. So yeah. I was like, I maybe could do this. Of course, being in like a fully commission kind of like salary scares me a little bit, you know, just being like when I was out of college and, you know, wanted to a steady paycheck. So this position is well more suited for me because I, yeah. I get to practice my sales with lease customers. And um, and it also helps me with the rejection, too, because I do it. The more you do it, the more easier it gets. It's so true. And the, I don't even remember. I should have looked at this before we started. But um, there's like it's. The percentage of sales that you're making, like online, it's actually not like huge, right? Like you do, will have a lot of people who say no. Oh yeah. And so you have to get comfortable saying no. I hear this all of the time. My retention course is like five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I have people message me all the time and say like, "Oh, I can't afford this right now." Right? They want to take it, but they can't afford it. I'm not over here like making that person buy that either. So I'm like, I know there's value there. If when people want. If they want to buy it, they're going to buy it. Yeah. I went through, um, in one of the the business coaching programs that I went through, um, we learned how to sell, which it was, it was so not the way that I would ever want to sell anything. Like looking back at the time of my life, I'm like, Jesus, I tried to sell people. I didn't make a single fucking sale yeah. through that way. Um, I, I've had like probably over a hundred retention fixed students now not selling in that way that I was told to sell. And I think that's a big thing. There's like people who like to buy things a certain type of way. But people who like to be sold to in a certain yes. way. And I think it has to make sense for you because I don't like pushy people. I will like 
be like, I'll like turn around. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with you. Um, so if somebody's like holding my hand to the situation, and that's how I like to look at my business as well. And I probably connect with people who want to purchase that way as well. Yeah, no, you make a great point. I think you have to find your selling technique that's right for you. Yeah. And then you'll, yeah, like some people, if you want like a pushy, um, somebody to be pushy, like maybe that's not the person for you or vice versa. Okay. So you touched briefly on how you work really not, do you work with a lot of men? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then you also, like you said, men over 40 are, you know, the majority of the customers. So do you struggle with this? Do you find it easier because you feel like they coddled you, coddled you and they want to support you? <laughs> um, I have never, never, ever worked in a man's industry. I am always surrounded by women, so I have no idea what this would even look like or what type of emotions it would bring out for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely changed my um, emotional intelligence a lot. <laughs> I think um, I've helped them in a lot of ways that they've helped me too. Um. It was difficult. It still is difficult. I mean, I'm just super fortunate to work with such an amazing group of guys, though. I think that that really attests to the kind of people that Walking Motors hires and just the brand itself and the business has always put their best foot forward in that sense. And I got that feeling from my couple of interviews there when I was interviewing at different places. Right. So that's what I used to tell like my my dad and my mom and I was like I feel comfortable there though I was like I know it's mostly men and I was like but for some reason like and I was also offered a car sales position at an import place which is mainly women so it was something where I was like I'm gonna try Ford like I was like I don't know there's something about this place that I really like and I'm super excited and glad that I stuck with it but um I do think there is the stigma I mean when I started there were a couple of guys who were like, oh, we'll help you out. And like, we want to, and which is like, did they just help me out because I'm a young, young woman? Right. Or what? Because I've seen new guys start new men and they don't help them. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I do think that, yeah, I had some advantages there of people seeing that I was, I think I was 22 when I started. So people were like, oh, like, it's cool to see a young woman in, yeah. like interested. And it was something new for them. They've been working with a lot of guys for, like almost decades in this industry so I think I kind of flipped the script of like showing up in the showroom and I was like let's go like and super excited about that um but yeah dealing with the male like majority of our customers are male that was a little bit more difficult for me I find that a lot of the times when they would bring in their spouse it was actually more of the women who didn't like me and I mm -hmm. think I didn't know if there was any kind of you know, when you're a, I used to serve, like I still serve, like I've been in the serving industry for, oh my gosh, over 10 years now. And I always found that like, I have a very friendly personality. I, like sometimes I, it comes off flirty, but I think I come off yeah. friendly, but I feel like sometimes if like a customer's, um, whether it's spouse or something doesn't feel that vibe, that's what I used to really put like a lot of weight on I was like oh like I have to not be super friendly to the husband and be more friendly to the wife and then I started thinking I was like how about I just stop like stereotyping thinking that they don't like me and just go with the flow and then I started to get a lot more confidence of like why was I stigmatizing them because I thought they were doing that to me almost like right I was projecting totally. everything yeah. like onto them so it really helped with customers of working with men and seeing how they actually like think everything to be able to translate it to the customer base i love that yeah would you rather work 
now going through and working with men, would you rather work primarily around women or primarily around men? It's hard because serving is all women. Right. Okay. So you got a little bit of. Yeah. Okay. But it was a different vibe. I mean, working at like a sports bar and yeah. man club versus like an, you know, a, a car dealership, truck dealership. So I don't know. I like working with, I like working with men. I like working with women. I don't think I would say I would be excited though to work in like as my professional career grows, like in marketing, I would be interested in working with more women in the industry, in this industry. I mean, I love serving. Like if I, if I stick with serving, cool. But if, if I were to say that like today, like if I were to go, when my, see where my career goes, I would like to work with more women because I think women are awesome. <laughs> of, yes, you don't really have a preference. Like, yeah. Yeah, interesting because I think I would definitely be drawn towards women. Mm -hmm. But I don't know why that is. Yeah, I think... I like having both experiences. Um, I love men. I have a lot of like male friends. Actually, I spend more time with men, my male friends right now, than female friends. Right, but you work with women. Yeah, like, and I'm not like I'm. I'm really not. Uh, Caitlin and I are going to do an episode on this, but like um, feminism and stuff. Yeah, I'm not really into that. Like, I support women. I love women. Women are fucking amazing. But like, men are fucking amazing too. And like, I'm just like, if you're a good person, you go. So, and I that's think, kind of how I feel too. Like I think yeah. I'm on the same page as that. Like I've loved my most managers at the Ford dealership. All the managers are men. Yeah. So when I have to go into management meetings, it's the same situation. But because it's such a supportive, open group, I don't see that. Like I'm like, oh, I, I wish like all of these men were women. I feel I wouldn't feel any different. Yeah. I don't yeah again, I listen to so much true crime. Like men are. Men are like you know, there's higher rates of men murdering people. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not we're not denying that. That's there, yeah, like rape and stuff. Like, Jesus, <laughs> our topics. But like that's that's you know primarily men. But a good man and a good fucking fun guy who's carefree. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. I actually had a boss. Um, there was so he was a boss. I worked at a pub and uh and the liquor store, and he owned both places. Um, and then he had a manager at each place, and both of the managers were women. I really like both of these women. They're very sweet and kind, but dealing with the boss was a little bit easier. Um, he was just very to the point. There's no bullshit, like no drama. I found with the with the managers sometimes like just went female to female. Like maybe we could be emotional. Not that men cannot be emotional because fair like, point. But yeah. yeah, but I think that a lot of the time, like they're a little bit more like type A, like this is what you need to do. No questions asked. They're more rational in the thinking. Yeah. I think in that sense of putting away um, because men are told their whole lives to, you know, don't cry and don't do this. Yeah. So unfortunately, I don't know if this is like it's a strength and their weakness, but they can set aside emotion. Yeah. That honestly, I don't at this point. Like, and when I say I'm a marketing manager, I don't manage anyone except myself. So like, I don't have a team. Like I do everything. Yeah. There. So in a sense, I always think about that. I'm like, what if I had an employee? How would I be as a manager? You know, I've never had to manage someone. So I try to think about that. And I'm a very emotional person. Are you? Okay. I am. I'm a very, I take I things. That for me. That's really funny. I take things pretty personally. Like I try to put on a good face, but I really like push it down. But when I see my my manager, 
I just, I'm in awe of him. I'm like, you're such an incredible manager. Like he's such a nice person, but he doesn't, I can tell he doesn't try to get involved too much personally with us, but at the same time he shows he cares and he's yeah. there for us to listen to, yeah. which makes some people just make great managers. Well, Gary was actually listening to a podcast on management and it was, they were talking about how there's so many managers in management positions where they should not know there are such specific qualities that make somebody a really good leader yeah and it's rare and probably something that a lot of us need to work on because i think that i could be a good natural leader i also think you can be a really good natural oh, leader. Yeah. but i absolutely have downfalls like i can't think of anything <laughs> but i know like i think about that having a team uh, i never really wanted to grow my business in a way of having a team um because i'm like man i gotta manage myself and i'm a good yeah. like instructor and teacher but i think sometimes i put too much pressure on myself where like I'll, i always will go home and i'm like did i do a good enough job like i, I really second guess myself a lot as for okay. garrett a lot of them he's like i don't even fucking think a second thought on that yeah i'm like how did that make you feel he's like yeah fine yeah like, didn't even so think about I, it. I think i might be a little bit too not scatterbrained but and i don't i'm working on being myself I think you bring a good, um, the, the word leader though, because there's such a difference between managers and leaders for myself in group projects in school. I always took control because yeah. a lot of me thought of the time, if I want it done right, I have to do it, which is like ruthless to say to some wow. of my peers. But at the same time, I was like, okay, I, I do take a lot of leadership roles. I mean, I was in so many leadership extracurriculars. And but to manage a team, I don't know if I'm there yet, like professionally in my career. I don't know if I have the quite the skill set. I know I'll, I would love to do it at one point. I would love to be able to manage a team. I think that'd be interesting. But maybe I would do it in a different way where it's like a leadership style. Yeah. But well, it's interesting, too, because I'm not sensitive, but I'm an empath. So right. like, I feel bad for people. Oh, yeah. The time. As for I heard, I've heard I'm managing my own emotions. But I think that that would be hard. Yeah. Because I'd be like, okay, do this. And I'd be like, did I say that nice? Oh, yeah. Did I hurt that person's feeling? I'm quite an overthinker. Too. Oh, so, like, me too. <laughs> yeah. The join or the clock? <laughs> okay. So Abby is literally the picture of confidence. Like if you know her or you listen to her, you can probably tell she's very well-spoken. Um, and she just exudes confidence. So do you have any tips? Because I'm sure that we all need some confidence tips. Man, I love when you said that if you could put me as like, if you could think of one word to describe me and you say confident, like I've been thinking, I think about that every day. And um, I just love that because I think a big thing is you're the product of your own environment. I have a lot to thank my parents for and my friends and my partner. But like my parents growing up, like, they would they said the world about me to me you know like they would say that like you are the best person ever like my dad used to say like people would pay million dollars to like have your hair like he and I remember him saying stuff like that and I just I cry I'm like a non-emotional yeah. right now but I honestly think my parents being very supportive of me and just in love with me like in that sense um really helped me build confidence I was cocky when I was younger, I think, because of that. But hey, I mean, we're kids. Like, who cares? Yeah, we grew up now and it's an amazing... It's a quality that yeah. I, and I'm super proud of and thankful for them for that. And I mean, surrounding yourself with friends, like, 
you know, people who hype you up and people who can have great discussions with you and tell you these great qualities. I don't think there's anything wrong with if you're trying to find a way to feel more confident, asking your friends, like, like, what do you like if you had to, you know, describe me in one word, what would you use? And like, hype yourselves up if it's even like a little wine night with the girls and you guys have like a feel good Friday moment, like, you know, yeah. at school, like, it's important to tell the people that you love what you love about them because a lot of them don't think about those things. No. And it's so interesting to see somebody or have an opinion because I think like I could explain what I think my good qualities are. I'm going to ask you at the end that. Okay. Um, uh, but I could like think of what my good qualities or my bad qualities are. But like my sister always observes me and she's like, you have this really awesome quality and you have this really awesome quality. And I'm like, whoa, I never really thought of that. Hey friend, it's Erica from Lashmas Babes podcast, and I want to personally invite you to our upcoming event, Lashmas Babes Virtual Conference. This two-day online event is happening in May, and it was created specifically for solo beauty business owners like yourself. As solo owners, we face a lot of unique struggles in our industry, so this event was created to help you be able to overcome those struggles to grow your business, build your clientele, make more money, up your social media game, gain more business skills and knowledge, make some internet friends in the industry, and expand past the service share, whether that's now or at some point in the future. So Emily and I will both be speaking at the event along with 12 plus other speakers. We're going to be teaching you on topics like content that converts, starting online courses, elevating the client experience, personal branding, authentic sales, and more. So if you're solo, you truly do not want to miss this. And because you listen to Emily's podcast, you have a special offer to join us for only $99. So grab your ticket today and we would love to see you there. Um, it's actually really funny with Abby with this confidence because your parents teaching you and always hyping you up, that has like just grown into who you are as a person. And you're someone actually really good at hyping people up as well. Um, when we were at Danielle's wedding last summer, it was so funny. I walk up, you and Buster both, like you guys need to have a business. Like, I swear to God, you guys would do so well. You guys, like we show up and you're like, oh my God, like, look, like Buster is my hype girl. Oh, She's yeah. like, look at your high heels. Look at how perfect your hair is. Oh my God, you're such a babe. You're so bougie. Like you guys both, every time I'm around you guys, like you just tell me like, how fucking awesome I am all the time. And I'm like, Ben, I pay money for this. Like you need to be on the phone, like on Zoom calls yeah. with like people who got out of surgery and who like aren't feeling good about themselves. And you got like, Abby's just like hyping them up. She's like, girl, your hair today is amazing. So it's funny oh, your man. parents treated you like that. And yeah. then now you feel so confident treating other and telling other people. Yeah. I What's think, amazing about them? I love that. Yeah, I think um, I just I have so much to attest to the way my parents raised me. I think it was I love that. and especially like my brother, too. Like we've I mean, you have sibling like you have two siblings like but um, having like an older brother, I was just like we, we used to fight and bicker and stuff. But honestly, he's one of my best friends. And yeah. he's like, we're there to hype each other up. We're there to humble each other. We're there for all I that. I think also, too, when your parents tell you how awesome you are it really takes away like competition because you're like well I'm amazing yeah. I want everyone else to be amazing and people can be amazing in different ways I think that like, my siblings and I like we have no competition and we're all like best friends too and like my sister always says that she's like we're all so different 
but similar. And she's like, Mm -hmm. man, like, I just want the best for you. And I look at other people too. And I very rarely feel jealousy Mm -hmm. because I think I'm just confident in myself as well. Like, I'm like, yeah, I know I'm great. There's people who probably don't like me and that's fine. But I'm also very confident being like, if you don't like me, that's okay. Like I'm Mm -hmm. willing to just be myself and I like who I am. Yeah. I think growing up being told that like from my parents that I was like, oh, you're amazing. Like you're the best. You're going to do so many great things and everything. It, it did create me a little bit of that cockiness of like, yeah, like nobody compares. Like I was like, why? I love that though. I think we need more of that. (laughs) I think so too. And I think there's nothing wrong with that for like doing that for your young children and everything. And I think that if, if anyone's who's listening to this and you're a parent, like that goes a long way. Somebody really important in my life, like their parents were very hard on them, never told them that they were doing good, never bragged about them, like literally the most negative, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And now this person has extreme self-confidence issues. Yes. He actually says to me all the time, like he, he was like, I just don't know how you have so much confidence. And I don't consider myself an overly confidence person a confident person. I feel like people will tell me that mm-hmm. I seem confident. Yeah. There's things I'm confident in and things I'm unconfident or not confident in. Um, but yeah, I think that whatever my parents did with that was right as well. Like we didn't have a lot of like being told what to do. I don't know if your parents were like that. There wasn't a lot of rules. Like we were really, really. allowed to just be ourselves. Like yeah. we were allowed to be free thinkers, free speakers. Um, and I think that really helped but, me. You know, I think going back to like just even the confidence to being mindful of what you say. I think um, one of my friends, her older sister is like a counselor and she deals a lot with like body dysmorphia and things like that. I mean, I need to see her. What's her name? I'll, oh, I'll go to her. I'll for a counselor. <laughs> as, as women, I think like with society, even when we grew up, it wasn't super like, you know, the nineties, the thin spo, but it still was when we were in high school, it was still oh. like skinny jeans. Abby, I could go like, into a whole topic on this and I think I remember one thing is going in the change room and being with your friend who is like way tinier than you and then Mm. being like oh I feel so fat Mm -hmm. and it's just those things where it's like it's triggering actually it's like why are we saying these things about ourselves why do you want to try to put yourself down is it are you searching for a compliment from somebody are you trying to backhand like you know backhand somebody else with that compliment I think actually probably this is my opinion. I think a lot of us are grown up with parents who make comments like that. Yeah. So then we think that we naturally need to say things like that. I think so too. And I think like exact like what I said at the beginning, you're a product of your own environment. And mm-hmm. if you're hearing these things, if you're the one saying these things too, I've now come to learn to like, when you, when you see somebody and you haven't seen them for a while, and let's say they went through like a weight loss journey, don't comment on it. Don't comment on it. Even if like, don't comment on it. And like, that was a thing to me. I was like, really? Like, cause I remember going up to somebody and I was like, oh my goodness, you look great. Have you lost weight? And I'm like, why did I say that? Like, yeah. am I saying that she looks great only because she, you know, and I started thinking like, what did I do to her like brain yeah. in that sense? No, I don't know. I have so much, like so many issues around my body and my confidence around my body. So. And it's so sad to hear because I think why are we so fixated on that? And I think it it does stem from what whether what our parents say, what we watched on TV, and what's definitely on social media. Yeah. So I think being mindful of what you say to people really helps with that confidence. And saying it out loud though, like the good things. So that's why people like Buster and I, like we hype people up because yeah. it's so much better to just say a compliment than to look at somebody being like, oh, I don't really like your hair today. 
why would you say that to somebody if you don't yeah compliment something else or if you like if you don't have anything nice to say like don't say anything at all like going back to those like little golden rules that we were when we were kids like so true yeah like and I think um one thing I remember in basketball we had like our coach wrote down wrote us each a couple sentences and like printed them out and gave them to us and it was how incredible we are and it was and she was like I want you to put these on your mirrors in the morning I want you guys to remember that you're amazing you're amazing basketball players are you just amazing people like if yeah who cares if you don't make the shot but like you're incredible I had that little piece of paper in my makeup bag for years I love that and it was cute and then but you know what really stuck with me is when I read it out loud even if you're alone, it sounds stupid. It sounds corny. I, I still, do that shit all the time. I practice a lot of things in the mirror, like, you know, a lot of my speeches, a lot of some of my Ford Fact Friday intros, like, yeah. and also like, I think with the confidence comes, yeah, like saying that out loud, but also body language. I'm a huge, like, I love TED Talks and um, I think it's Amy Cuddy does uh, body language, but uh, the poses, power poses, So you can do like a Superman where you stand up with your hands on your hips, legs spread out, like shoulders back and down. And you just do that. And if you do that for 30 seconds, it increases like the the testosterone in your body, which gives you confidence and gives you that power. Yeah. Before meetings, I go into the bathroom and I do that. I love that. Still to this day. I love that. Before UBCO, I went to the bathroom and I did that for 30 seconds and looked in the mirror and I was like, I can do this. Yeah. And then I fucking did it. (laughs) Um, Something with the body language. Um, My sister was talking about how taking up more space. Yes. Like putting your arms out, speaking with your hands, instead of like cowering and being like a little ball. She's like, just stand tall and you take up your space. It -hmm. makes you seem more confident. Yeah. I also think that if I'm a really big believer in um, positivity and picking out little things to be grateful for. um, So I would say like if I had a piece of advice advice for somebody, if you feel like you're like the ugliest person in the world or you're not a good speaker or like all these negative things, look at yourself and pick out one thing on your face. If you can, like you have to have something like, oh, I'm really grateful that I don't, that my nose hair doesn't stick out or I'm grateful my skin's not, not dry or like whatever mm-hmm. it is, just pick out something that you can, um, that you feel grateful for. And that's positive about yourself. Yeah. And also spinning around something that you might've been insecure about. Like, so with my like deeper voice, I used to be super insecure about it. I hated it like with videos, with audio and everything. And a lot of the times I remember, and I have actually a quite similar voice to my mom. And she said too, she's like, oh, like I never really even thought about it. So like my mom's never let it bother her. And I'm like, why am I letting it bother me then? Right. And then, but it's probably because somebody told you oh, that it wasn't appropriate to have a deeper voice. Yeah, it was, it was, it was people like making fun of me. And it was, even if it was just little comments, like from school, that shit sticks with you. Like I still think about it, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to own it. And ever since I've like, I've not tried to have a higher pitch voice. I mean, I have a customer service voice, let's be real. But like in like regular, like this is me. And I'm like, I'm just owning it now because, and then some people started complimenting me on it, which I'm like, I think you have an amazing voice. Yeah. I'm very drawn to listening to, listening to you. And I, I love hearing that. And I'm like, you know what? Like I keep those comments and I say those things back to my friends. Like, so if, if I, um, Katarina, like she mentioned, she's like, I just love your voice and I love yes. the way you talk. 
I tell that to like, I went home and told my boyfriend and saying it out loud just brings back that confidence. I'm like, oh my goodness, this like amazing girl I met told me she loves my voice. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, like and saying it out loud right now. I'm like, yeah. Like yeah. You're like, I have a good fucking voice. Yeah. That's why I talk speak. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much, Abby. Okay. We were recently discussing the power of active listening. So I want to talk about some tips and tricks. And it's really just powerful to sit back and absorb and listen to what somebody says. I don't think that enough of us are doing this. Um, But I would love to hear your opinions on this because you were like literally just talking about this and I absolutely agree. Yes. So a huge thing that I've had to learn, do my own self-reflection, and it's all about being self-aware of who you are and what you're exuding and like showing to people I think is the act of listening. And it's really humbled me because um, I like to talk. I talk a lot. I have a really bad habit of uh, introducing myself to somebody. And instead of listening to their name, I'm thinking about the next 10 things I want to talk about. I'm mm. like, oh, I want to talk to them about this and this. And like, I better say this. And I better have this funny remark. Do you find that you're, that you're uncomfortable with silence? Yes. Because I am as well. Oh, like I use, I usually fall asleep with like a TV on or when I'm walking around the house, I have to have a TV on. I'm like an iPad kid, even though I never grew up with an iPad (laughs) or internet. Like, I'm like, why am I like this? So you need to like fill the space. Yes. Because I also have to fill fill the space. Yeah. And a lot of the times, you know, I even got told the other day by, by somebody, they're like, do you just talk to listen to yourself? And I'm like, wow. My mom used to say that to me and now I'm like, fuck. My mom said they started listening to louder music when I started talking. I was like, cool. Um, yeah, I love that. And like, which I do talk a lot and it's fine, but I think there's also a good aspect of the act of listening. And yes. we talked about this at our, the one women entrepreneurship meeting we had. And I think it's been a huge caveat of mine and like a new um, value of mine of like, it's just something good that I do. I actively listen now. I think a lot of it attributes to me being in school for like that extra four years after high school because now I'm paying for a course and I wanted to get the more up, the most out of it, I wanted to make sure that I was getting all the information I could. Yeah. So not only was I, I'm a huge note taker. Like that's how I learn is I write down like, I, things. I'm the same. Like I don't, I'm not super hands-on. I'm more, I have to write it down. Like that kind of thing. Oh, I'm a little bit of both. But I mm. do like, I take notes on everything. Cause... Yeah. And so I like taking notes. So then instead of the taking notes part for me, when I take notes in my mind or whatever, when I'm talking with somebody, you actively listen by like nodding with them, like nodding your head, looking into their eyes, making eye contact or looking at their mouth, like whether, cause you can tell when somebody doesn't like eye contact. So then you look away too, to make them comfortable. Yeah. It's all about the body language of like, you know, whether it's just nodding your head or kind of leaning in. Uh, We talked about how, when you're talking with somebody and you can tell that they're maybe a little bit more introverted. They don't like, they don't want to be talking to you. Cause I don't know. They almost just feel a little like unconfident about speaking. Um, I start talking lower and I start like, oh, I start like yeah. mirroring them because people like them, like themselves. You'd be a really good coach Abby. Yeah. You would. I, well, I've always wanted to like think about being a teacher. Like I, that's always mm-hmm. been in the back of my mind. Um, Cause I've tutored some kids here locally and stuff. And I just love the idea of making a difference in someone's life. But like, I think too, a lot of it attributes for my success of like marketing and sales, marketing myself to get these positions and like to get these opportunities. 
I think a big thing of mine is I mirror people and I'm really good at picking up when other people feel uncomfortable or they feel comfortable. So I know when to pry, know when to just sit back. I like to think that I'm good at that too, but probably ever in my life would say that I'm not good at that. I pry with everything. I think you're good, but you're like, I, 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 I'm such an open book. So I think I feel really confident asking people questions that they might not feel comfortable Mm -hmm. talking about. And I don't think I can pick up on when they're not comfortable. Okay. And it's something I'm going to take note on and watch. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I like, I just, for the act of listening, I think it's just a huge aspect into making the people feel, person you're talking to, making them feel heard Mm -hmm. and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And you can also like, if you're talking with somebody and you're, whether you're like trying to find it, like you're out on a new date, like trying to meet somebody or meet new friends or meet your like spouse's friends or whatever, like, you know, into new friend groups. I think a huge aspect of it is just to like kind of humble yourself in the sense of like step back, take a deep breath and just remember that like you're just a person. They're just a person. You both have insecurities. You both have confidence in certain aspects. Yeah. But to also remember the great qualities of yourself and don't be afraid to talk about yourself, but also try to pick up on like, I don't really know how to teach self-awareness, but try to pick up on their social cues if you can tell they want to be pride with, or if they don't like, so if they're talking and they kind of, if they're looking away a lot, when you're asking them questions, you know that it's too much. Yeah. You know, know I like, I could pick up on that. Yeah. Like, I think you are emotionally intelligent in the sense of you're self-aware. I'm I'm very self-aware. You are. And I think you also really do like to open up to like yourself. So then other people open up to you. So I think that that's what it is. And I think, so my brother, he has been in the situation recently where he's around this person who all this person does is talk about themselves. Mm. Literally does not shut up. It's continual. He's like, when I'm with this person all day, I'll hear the oh. same story. It's on repeat. And I said to him, I was like, it's really funny because me and him will have really in-depth conversations. Like we'll talk for like five hours. Sometimes. Yeah. But it's me talking about something, him talking about something, me asking a question, me understanding what he's talking about like it's just the flow of conversation and I think that's a big thing too I don't know if people get nervous and they like just want to talk about themselves but I'm opposite I I mean I don't think I I mean I talk about myself but it's never in a way that I'm like trying to come across as braggy it's like intellectual like good you're actually conversations you're building onto the conversation yeah and we talked about this whether you're the one upper or the builder upper. yeah and I think I'm a builder <laughs> you are because yeah. I think I can very much too like that's why I ask a lot of questions and I you know obviously I like so mm-hmm. I'll ask questions and I'll be like oh that's so interesting like I can resonate with that or however the, co- the conversation flows but yeah, I think that active listening, that's something that I, I do think I'm a good active listener, mm-hmm. but I also think there are moments too where sometimes I'll feel like I'm not confident in speaking in certain situations. So I'll have something pop into my head and I'll be like, oh, I want to talk about that. And I kind of have to like keep reminding myself that I want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I forget it, obviously it wasn't important enough, but that's something for me that I'm like, okay, I want to talk about that, but I'm not going to forget. <laughs> and I think, yeah, like something with active listening is you talked about, you mentioned this is asking the question. Mm -hmm. People like, if you start asking a question after what somebody says, like, even if it's something super basic, like you're talking about, like, let's say you're talking about a new car, whatever. And, and you're going off about like fuel economy and like something that I'm kind of like, if you don't really know about or whatever, and then you could just ask and be like, Oh, like what color is it? Like, you know, you could just something simple enough to like, then it 
makes the person you're talking to think like, oh, like Abby actually really wants to hear what I want to talk about. Like, a lot of people are like, oh my God, like you just met the person, like you're acting like you love them, like you're their best friend. I tend to make lots of connections with people. I joke around about like, you know, I've, I've been in like a couple of wedding parties and I, I start to think about whenever I get married, if I have bridesmaids, I'm like, I'm going to have 20 because like, I just make such meaningful connections with yeah. people because I love asking those kind of weird questions or like, me too. and I think I ask a lot of icebreaker questions. So like if I'm meeting a new kind of friend group, I'll just be like, oh my gosh, like if you died and could come back as any animal, like what would you be? And yeah. people are like so thrown off, but it starts such a tangent. So like, don't be like, I think if people are trying to work on active listening, like don't be afraid of asking something really interesting like that, something that would pique your interest. Yeah. So and I think a huge part of active listening is not being on your phone. I absolutely... I'm trying to be a lot better at like not having my phone on me when I'm talking with people. I do work a lot on my phone, so I understand and I tell, but I manage the expectation with people. If we're starting to get into a deep conversation and my phone goes off, I'd be like, okay, so sorry. I really just have to check this for one yeah. second. I think that I'm naturally really curious about what people have going on in their lives. And I like to listen to people talk as well. And yeah. I think you're probably the same. So if I'm listening to somebody speak and I have something I need to answer, I need to check you know, I try to choose the appropriate time to but do yeah. it. Yeah. A phone call is different because you're getting a phone call. Right whether or not you can call that person back or mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah, I think there's lots of different aspects of active listening. But um, definitely the body language, I think, is the if you're trying to be more self-aware and to feel like, hey, I wonder if I am a good active listener. Just try to put it in your head the next time you're talking to somebody. Start remembering to nod when they talk mm -hmm. I think I'm such a nodder yeah I'm and, like, uh -huh. and like start to like make a little bit more eye contact just starting with those couple of key body language mm -hmm. things will then it just also creates more confidence in you because you can then tell yourself be like damn I'm really listening and like hopefully you're actually listening but like you know well I mean? it's actually interesting I wanted to say that this all kind of like leads back to sales as well yes um because I think that a lot of the time when you're trying to make a sale, I don't know what it's like to be a car salesperson, but myself, um, I ask a lot of people, like I ask the person a lot of questions, number one, because I'm curious, but also because it's going to give me understanding. It also makes them feel really fucking confident and then connected with me. So they're more likely to purchase from me. Yeah. If I sat there all day and like, I'm like, I gotta make the sale. And I'm like talking about all the reasons why my course is so amazing. I, I'm doing all the talking and that, that just makes somebody feel, I I've been in those situations before and I feel really small and I'm like, well, I want to talk about myself. I want to tell yeah. you about me. And that's, I think how genuinely most people feel. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just relating this all, all these tips with active listening with sales, I think is huge. Yes. Okay. And Abby briefly mentioned this, but we grew up in a tiny, tiny town. It's called Cherryville. It's like literally like, does it show up on GPS? It's a community. <laughs> like it's not a town. It's not a town. It's not a town. There's two stores. It's tiny. Um, but do you feel like growing up so far in the country had any disadvantages? Um, and did you enjoy growing up in the country? Yeah, I think, I think there's lots of pros and cons with how I grew up in Cherryville and growing up in the country and that lifestyle. I think if we want to, let's talk about the cons first. Um, you're growing up far away from any kind of friends you can make. Like well, in you're school. like, kiss hockey goodbye, kiss dance class, all these extra. No extracurricular sports whatsoever. <laughs> no, At no. least we didn't. I think they we now do either. soccer, like in like, like good for them. But like, I never got that either. No. But um, I think a lot of it, 
I really, I really de- despised it when I was in high school. And I think it's, oh. I feel super bad that I had those feelings because if I could give anything to live out in that big house again, yeah, man, I was so fortunate. And I wish I could tell my younger self that like, don't give your parents a hard time. I used to give my parents a hard time. Like, and they would drive me into Lumbee like anytime they could. Like they were super nice about it. Like I couldn't imagine Friday night driving my kid half an hour to their friend's place and picking them up like two hours later. I think about that, like coming home from work and being like, are you fucking kidding me? Like my parents are like, man, all the power to them. That was so nice of them to do. But like, so I I literally can't relate. Like my parents were like, hey, don't come home after school. (laughs) Don't come home after school. My mom's going to give you a chicken, like give a chicken to the (laughs) My mom's going to give a butchered chicken to the parents to be like, thank you for keeping my kid overnight. Yeah. yeah no my parents I was either stay after school or essentially like you're yeah not going oh yeah like and there would be times where I wasn't allowed to like go to a friend's place and which is fair and I don't think that I wasn't allowed so my parents are basically like don't come home cool like I yeah don't... well then my mom's yeah. like why didn't you just get off the bus there and I'm like well I had to come home and get my stuff and she's like well too bad like I'm right. not driving you in so it you know it created a sense of responsibility I think the also disadvantage was but this is also an advantage. Um, I didn't have internet till I was 17. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had dial up, but like, what the <laughs> hell was dial up? I still, I'm triggered by that sound. Of like the, also no connect. cell phone service. You were 17 when you guys got cell phone service. Yeah. yeah. No cell phone service. So it really sucked growing up in high school with a lot of people not wanting to come over to my place. Cause they're like, well, you don't have cell service. There's nobody oh, around you. Yeah. So I felt like my house was such like the, oh, like, why would we go to Abby's house? So it mm. kind of made uh, put a sour mouth, sour taste in my mouth of like, I would never do this to my kid, like live way out here and all this. But like looking back on it, I'm like, what a beautiful piece of land I grew up on. Like I had all the privacy. I could do whatever I wanted in that sense. Um, so those were, but those are the main disadvantages. Like I found that like I wasn't able to connect with the city, like quote yeah. unquote kids in Lumbee. <laughs> feel growing up in the country like you felt your parents had no money I remember walking home um or walking to a friend's house after school like up on the hill oh oh this house, the hill this house is not nice Mount it's like a <laughs> Grandview oh, oh shit so the, the Grandview money. but the house is like normal yeah and it's I remember being like oh my god my parents like are so poor <laughs> but like my parents have like they have like a cabin type type style home but like they had 11 and a half acres like my like I couldn't afford 11 and a half acres right now like in no No. way I think it's funny that you mentioned that because it was ingrained in me when I was younger that my dad was like when we would always talk about Lumbee versus Cherryville Mm -hmm. my dad is super loyal person like very Mm -hmm. he loves he's super competitive also that's where I get that from and he's like, oh yeah, like Lumby, like uh, like Scumby, like whatever. And he's like charitable all the way. And yeah, and I was he's back up there now, right? Oh yeah. Okay, I love and, that. Yeah, and, and my parents are still out there as well. Yeah, and he would talk about like, he's like, oh my goodness, like you just want to go live out in the, in the city in Lumby with all your friends. And <laughs> he's like, but he's like, Ab, have you ever watched like you know those commercials of people who win the lottery? I'm like, well yeah, like you know they show the big houses. And he's like, they're never in the city, aren't they? And I was like, oh, and it totally flipped a switch in my head. And I'm like, it's so true that like Mm -hmm. when you start growing up and your different priorities, I mean, obviously people who live here in Lumbee in the city, great. Like if that's your lifestyle. Yeah, oh my God, absolutely. But I started to really think about that was my dad's and my mom's dream. 
was to live out there and I was like it's my dream when I yeah. manifest my dream house it's on like 20 30 acres it's not yes which is like I live in a subdivision essentially right now we have half an acre god fucking bless that we have yes that, but... but you have you have your privacy and that's what you semi want. semi but that's what you wanted yeah. I mean it's so it's something that I really admire of my parents yeah. that they did that they they sacrificed a lot of you know, working multiple jobs and, and helping my brother and I drive around where, you know, my brother was doing guitar lessons in Lumbee and like he had, he had different bands in Lumbee too. So like he spent a lot of time in Lumbee and so did I with my friends. And I was still able to do a lot of like high school sports and I'm super appreciative of how much time they sacrificed for us. Yeah. And I think well, if, you had good parents. Right? Yeah. And I mean, if I could go back and say anything to my younger self, it would be to thank them more. I mean, I always like, you know, like we grew up with manners and I always said thanks, but I never really thanked them, you know, like. Yeah, it's interesting because as you were saying that you felt like a lot of people didn't want to come out to your house. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that problem. We did so much at my house. Yeah. Like we had like my friend Lola's house, which was the house up on Grandview. And we would go there and then we would go to like town parties. Yeah. Um, but like most weekends we would go out camp, party, quad, go to the lake. Like we would do that at my parents' house a lot. Like it was, I think we probably spent more time out there. I think it's also the different kinds of friends too. I think yeah, for like some- cell phone service would have never also to say this though, like my friends were a little bit older than me and then they're definitely like probably seven right. years older than you yeah cell phones weren't huge when i was in high school as funny as that is to say like i'm turning 30 this year and like a lot of people didn't have cell phones and we weren't like texting all the time as for you like you guys probably had iphones and it was more like instagram yeah. all that like stuff, instagram so. was kind of a thing in like grade 10 it started but for us snapchat wasn't a thing till like grade 11 12 yeah. it wasn't as much i could not imagine being in high school nowadays like no. how to navigate all the social media and all of those kinds of aspects but i think it also yeah it comes down to the different friends you surround yourself with yeah because certain friends like buster and i man we love to spend time at her place because yeah, she might have had like internet and cell phone service, but I don't remember those times spending that. No, because they really weren't on your cell phone. No, we were like, we were out picking rocks for her parents. Yeah. We were out like, you know, doing fun things with like the cows, like just walking around. I love and cows. Yeah. And like, you know, just being kids in that sense. So Davis has a memory. He was just saying this to my mom. He was like, I'm so grateful growing up in the country, actually. Um, and before actually, so I was born and like my early childhood years were in Cherryville. And then we moved to another small um, town, it was a town village. I don't know. <laughs> um, and that's where I spelt, spent like from grade two till grade five. Um, but my parents, like they were very like hands off parents. Like they were like, just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like they're still love. And like my parents are amazing. Um, but we were just like wild children. And so I had this memory being like eight years old and like, being like bye see ya like run down like the 80 acre farm and like yeah. going like jumping off the bridge and like probably almost drowning a zillion times and davis was like i remember the river in cherryville was like currents oh, <laughs> like all rocks rapids rapid, like literally whirlpools and davis was like i remember just being like peace out mom i'm riding my bike down which is so far from our house down to the creek with his friend and he's like I just have memories like basically like getting sucked up by whirlpools yeah the log jams log jams like (laughs) you name it and he's like yeah it was great like I loved it and like 
I think that those things are just amazing things. I would have way rather, I remember like coming to town and being like so excited to get to like walk down for a slash or go yeah. for, like snacks. And I liked having, being able to do both of those, mm-hmm. but like I would have chosen to grow up in the, in the country any day. I think so. Like a hundred times over growing up in yeah. the country, like a lot of the advantages of growing up there too was I think, um, and even like in Cherryville and Lumbee, like going to schools in small towns was the different education we got. I mean, granted, it was only really, uh, this school system is really tailored towards only certain types of learning, which is the learning of like note takers, which is me, fortunately. But I was able to get so much one-on-one time with teachers. Like, I don't know if that's how you felt, but I felt like- we knew everyone in the school, like pretty much. Yeah, you knew everybody. You either grew up with them, you related to them like a lot of the time. So- I think it was a really great aspect. I liked it. I mean, another a disadvantage though was we didn't get much diversity. No. So like I think it would have that would have been helpful to see whether it's diversity in different people, different backgrounds, cultures, or even diversity in different classes. Like we talked yeah. about like French was the only other like off language course you could take other than English. And like in an even in Vernon, so like 15, 20 minutes up the road, you could go into five different high schools that had like German, Spanish, Russian courses, like just Italian, like just so cool. And I'm like, that's just so cool to me to think of that. Which wouldn't have been an option. My parents would have never let me go to school in Vernon unless I was like really, 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 really wanted to because it would have been such a big bus ride. Literally. But like kids living in Lumbee to go to Vernon, they probably would have been okay. more open to, mm-hmm. to, yeah, because Vernon, like we live, Vernon's not a big city either if you're not from around here. Um, but there is, there's what, five high schools? So it's, yeah. it's still like, it, it's, it's There's a like 45,000 people there. And then in Lumbee, there's like 2,600. <laughs> so like, there's the difference. So, and and Cherryville is like, 10, is there a thousand? Like, like is there, is there 500? Oh, I, w- I, one thing for me that I often think about myself now living in the country, um, Calgary which is about six hours from here right like I do think about that that I do think that there would be more opportunity um more educational opportunity for me to be the educator um more reach for my business in the lash industry um so sometimes I feel like being out in the country there's just it's a little bit more isolating I do so much online work so that's Mm -hmm. that's okay but even like in the grand scheme of people that you know and connection it's a lot smaller than being in the city so sometimes I do think about that and that's a disadvantage but I I mean at the end of the day and that was one thing while I was um in post-secondary thinking about my career I I did toy with the idea of do I move to Calgary do I move to Vancouver do I move to Toronto like do I move to these bigger city centers where there's bigger hubs of business and marketing and those kind of different opportunities. Um, I'm just fortunate enough that I was able to, I just put, I made my resume out and I sent it to like, I think seven different businesses in Vernon that I thought were like big businesses. And I just kind of like shot them all out there and then got offers from almost every one of them. That's amazing. And yeah, like, and I think that it's like, there's so much more opportunity out there than you think, like on the aspect of jobs. Yeah. Of course, for like networking, yeah, it's it's slim. Like I think it's important to try to reach out to closer, bigger cities like Kelowna. Like I think it's really cool that we were able to become a part of this women entrepreneur group because yeah. I think it's it's going to open more doors. But also, like there, we are on social media and stuff, so we do have that technology. Yeah, you online. have accessibility to be seen on so many different or mm-hmm. really across the world if you want yeah. to be. 
I think, yeah, just being appreciative of that. And I think that also stems to me being a positive person. And when you're a positive person, I think good things happen to you. I think I mm-hmm. never... I have a question about this. Yeah. I love that you're talking about this, like being appreciative and yeah. all that positive person. Um, do you think that that naturally is just who you are at a core level? Or do you think that you had to teach yourself that? Mm, that's a hard one. I think I think I... I've always grown up just being super positive and happy. When I was younger, I used to say that like when I grew up, I just wanted to make people laugh. Yeah. That was like my big thing. Like I thought it was going to be an actress or a comedian yeah. or whatever. And I think just like me as a person, I'm positive like that. But I also think I have had to trick my mind into stop comparing myself to people and stop, you know, obviously like back in the day I wish I grew up in a mansion with pools and with you know I wish I had like razors I wish I had a bunch of money passed down from like my generations I didn't have that so why am I so mad about the fact that I got to you know I got to grow up with a loving family you had a great life I, I did yeah, there's so much to be thankful for I think so I think even when things are shitty there's things to be thankful for there is and I think um my dad told me like years and years ago, cause my brother and I, you know, around spring when you'd like burn your field to mm-hmm. like so many yes. crows, a lot of like city people have no fucking clue what <laughs> like, I'm talking about. What do you mean you burn your grass? <laughs> yeah. It actually makes it so beautiful. It is. Oh, like we just did it because we don't want to mow our lawns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. It makes it beautiful. And it's actually helping. So if a fire does come through, it doesn't burn as okay, Like it's okay. actually like mm-hmm. forest fire protection. But anyway, um, I remember we were burning one day and I was like, complaining I still complain this day when I have to do little tasks like take out the garbage like I just like complaining like to like my significant other or whoever wants to listen but um anyway my dad was like he's like well you got to do this anyway so why not just be happy doing it yeah and he was like there is Buddhists who literally believe that like they could be digging a ditch and somebody be like what are you doing just digging a ditch like why are you so happy and he's like well why would I be mad digging a ditch? Then I'm yeah. just going to be in a bad mood. Yeah. And I remember my dad saying that to me and my brother, and we both took that differently. I took it as very like, damn, like I'm just going to be happy all the time. Just be like, happy. You know yeah. what? Like, and I think that was a pivotal moment. And I always had to go back on that. Like growing up here, like in, in my twenties, like early twenties, I went through so much growth. I'm not the same person I was five days ago. <laughs> like a, a year ago. No, no. Like I think I'm constantly growing and, I always think about that comment my dad made like about being happy because he said like, and then my brother took it as like, you know, work's got to be done. Like you got to do it. Well, and that both, both are true. Both are true. And like, so it's cool to see that, you know, we grew up very similar. We have, we're different people, but I feel like we're actually a lot the same. If like, if, if you sit my brother and I in a room and like, we're talking and when we get going, oh my God, like, it's like the funnest time I could ever have. I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same with my siblings. Um, I was thinking about this actually as well. And this goes back to like looking in the mirror. And if you only have one thing that you could pick about yourself, mm-hmm. that you like, um, you know, focus on that. But I was thinking about this as well with um, the positivity. And if you're somebody who you don't feel like you're positive, I'm such a big advocate for like writing gratitude lists. Okay. Because it makes you remember. I've seen a couple of different things like writing them down for me um, is better. Like some people will fall asleep and think about all the amazing things that happened in their day because life like passes by so quickly Yeah. where it's like, it's good to just be like, what was good about today? And you can like really sit with yourself. Reflect. Reflect. Yes. Yeah. On the day. But my partner actually, he was, <laughs> he's a little bit more on the negative side and I'm definitely, I think I'm just naturally more positive. Mm-hmm. 
And um, it was interesting, actually, because this, this morning he had a really hard time at work this week. He was really wanting to quit. And I was bringing up all these emotions for him. Um, but he said this morning, he was like, I love that I have remote start on my truck. It's like the best creation ever. And I said, I think you need to make a list of all these little things when you feel gratitude towards something. Write that down because on those days where you're feeling so negative, nothing's going right. Because I'd say that to him every single day. Yeah. Um, every, like when we were kids, we would all sit around the dinner table and we would talk about like what parts of our days we enjoy, what can we have done better. Like we all were big talkers. Um, so I naturally kind of do that now. I'm like, what happened to your day? Like, tell me what went on. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes he'll be like, it was just a bad day. I'm like, well, there had to be something that was positive. Yeah. So it's funny now that he said that with the remote start that I'm like, that's something that we can now focus on. Um, so yeah, my advice, I guess, is just like, if you feel like you're negative, writing down anytime you feel any sort of happiness or gratitude towards something. Write it down. Okay, so to finish every single one of my guest episodes, I always like to ask you guys what you think your best and your worst quality is. Let's start off my worst. <laughs> yeah, I always start worst. Start too. with the bad. Um. I want to say time management. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be a client of yours. I don't think I ever showed up on time. Oh, <laughs> like, are you late a lot? I hate late people. I know. Me. And I used to always text you and be like, oh, hey, like I'm running late. And then I'd be like, do you want something from Starbucks? And I oh, remember. Yeah, I know. I was like, I can't believe you didn't fire me. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know what's funny though? When I think of you as a client, I don't think of that. There's other people where I'm like, I know that person's always right? late. I don't, I don't think about that with you. Well, I wasn't usually late. I was like, if my appointment's at eight, I'm there at eight. So like, okay. I'm trying to get better. Time management. Okay. Something definitely to work on. Time management. Um, I don't think, yeah, I think a lot of the times I wanted to be a type A person, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm such a creative. So I think, um, you know, I'm disorganized but it's like a, it's an organized for me. So my, my office at work is absolutely looks like a tornado went through. Like every time my managers, like they comment, they're like, you got to clean up. And I'm like, but I know where everything is. Yeah. Like, there's papers all over my desk. But if you ask me where this one specific paper is, I know where it is underneath mm. the different ones. It's just the way my creative mind works. Um, I would like to work on that though, because I don't think that should be an excuse. Like, I don't think I should just be like, "Well, I'm creative, so I can be messy." Like, do you keep your house clean or like, no? Okay, okay, <laughs> no. okay. I also will say this: I used to be a fucking clusterfuck as well. Mm -hmm. um, that changed when I hit about like 27. I don't know if it okay, so not there yet. <laughs> my sister too. She's like. I can just live in like chaos at all times. And I'm like, oh my God, my anxiety. But I used to be the same. So I think. I don't yeah. know if, you, if that will change later, but. I'm not sure. I think I'll have to actually start making the, like force, forcibly making the changes. Like a lot of times I say like to my friends, like if I know that guests are coming over to our place, that's when I clean. Okay. But I don't clean days in advance. If tomorrow isn't the due date, today isn't the due date. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, like right. I'm a very big procrastinator. So time management and that's something I say in interviews too like I, and I'm like I don't know if it's a good thing to say but I tell my like whether it's my current manager like if it's reviews I'm like time management like I need to start working on it like because I'm self-aware that I'm bad at it and when you get it done I get it done see and diamonds are made under pressure so like, yeah okay yeah I work well under pressure but then again I have to stop making those excuses so I am yeah. trying to figure out time management um there's this pomodoro pomodoro technique it's like this little website you go on and it's a little tomato 
and it times you for 25 minutes and you're supposed to stick to one task for 25 minutes and then it gives you a five minute break that helps me so if I have to stick to one thing instead because I'm like a person I walk into a room and I'm like oh I have to like I'm in here to tidy the like to do the dishes then I'm in the kitchen doing the dishes and I look over and I'm like oh I was going to reorganize the cabinet so I stopped doing the dishes and I do that and then I don't know if it's ADHD or not hey (laughs) I have something to say about this because I am similar Mm -hmm. I'm not a procrastinator but I get bored easily. Mm. So if I'm doing the dishes and I'm not enjoying doing the dishes and I know that folding laundry is going to make me feel like be on task with getting my house clean. Yeah. I'll go to, you know, fold the laundry and then I go back to dishes when I'm ready. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think there's something to say about that. Everyone is just different. Yeah. And as long as it's not a problem. Mm-hmm ruining your life in any sort of way that I do think it's okay but if it's something you want to work on it's something I want to work on it because I also like for my my boyfriend in the place we live in like he does way more of the cleaning than I do I love that and like I love it too but uh, he did tell me he's like um can you do this and like he's really honest with me he's like you need to start picking up like after yourself and he does too though so like we try to keep each other accountable so I think it's we're finally getting into a better routine but Mm -hmm. if we want to go to the best quality I think it would be, I don't really know how to, like, if I want to say public speaking, but just the, I think one of my best qualities is public speaking and is just the way that I talk. I don't know. I think putting yourself out there, having confidence in yourself to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Building yourself back. I guess confidence is like the big stem of it. So like, I think that's a good quality of mine. It's my best. I think, I think it's what makes me me. I think a lot of people, when they meet me, um they don't say like I'm not necessarily like oh my god she has the best hair or she has the best this or she has the best clothes it's like Abby's hilarious or like she's yeah. like oh like did you hear what she said or did like it's just funny or did you see her video and like like on your personality yeah like mm-hmm. I think my quality is like just the way I confidently present myself yeah. and I think that that's what makes me me I just got asked um what I believe is the biggest tip for success. And my answer was to put yourself out there. And I think that mm-hmm. you do such a good job of that just naturally. Yeah. So I could see that being your best because you probably don't like hold yourself back very often. Like you're no. like, I'll try it. Yeah. If it doesn't work out cool. Yeah. And I think, um, and a lot of the times I like what, I know a lot of people find it, like they could find it embarrassing if you're like one of the, the this is just an example you know, when you're in like a public place, whether it's a grocery store or bar or restaurant, whatever, and somebody looks like they're waving at you and you wave back, but they're actually waving at the person behind you. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the times people feel so embarrassed. They're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just waved back that. And I'm like, who cares? He waved. Like, I'd be like, Oh, sorry. Like thought you were talking to me. Yeah. And then I start talking to the person and it's like, (laughs) I think it's just so funny to like, for me, what other people find embarrassing is for me. I'm like, that's just, what do you like I'm just a person like I'm just I think I don't try to feel super embarrassed about a lot of things yeah because I'm like whatever like I people do embarrassing shit all the time yeah and I think and one thing that I remember hearing in like um like the mindset mentor or whatever those Mm -hmm. podcasts he was like ask somebody what you think your most embarrassing moment is they won't be able to tell you you know what I mean like a lot like if you were to ask me like Abby what was my most embarrassing moment I'd be like I don't fucking know like right. you know so like, I literally can't even think of one of my most embarrassing moments I'd have to really think about it yeah I don't really get embarrassed no and I think um that's also has to do with putting yourself out there and like just the confidence that you portray yeah so I think I think I'm good at that and I think I've 
I, you know, I've, I've had to humble myself in the sense of like not coming off as cocky Yeah. because I can be very competitive. I like to win. I like to, you know, like be the best in certain scenarios, but I've also come to agreeance that I'm not the best at everything. I right. know that. Right. So I've had to, then that's what I mean by humbling myself is that like, I'm not going to be the best at everything, but I want to be, I want to tell myself that I am. Yeah. Or you can just tell yourself like, you know, I'm not really good at this thing, but it's fun. My friends like it, yeah. or, you know, and they're really good at it. And I want to play with them on this game or like yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to just share like where people can find you on social media? Yeah. So um, I would love if y'all want to follow me, my personal <laughs> account on Instagram is just at Abby Loggerquist. Um, if you also want to follow my uh, professional, I don't even want to say professional account, but my work account is um, at Abby at Watkin Ford. That's where I do a lot of my videos, my Ford Fact Fridays and other like specials at Watkin Motors. Um, that's pretty much where I am. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, super prestigious. Well, and Abby actually is starting a little business around like the wedding industry. Yeah. And you don't have a whole lot of availability. I don't this year. No, but maybe just talk about it really yeah. briefly just to give people a, a general idea. Basically, um, I start, I just came up with like a little name, like all that wedding entertainment because yeah. all is my initials. Abby yeah. Laura oh, Lagerquist. Yeah. So then, um, and you really do everything. So yeah, like I thought, so it kind of works out. Um, I do, I'm an unofficial officiant, meaning that I can't legally marry people, but I'm a great option for the couple who wants like a more tailored, ceremony whether it's like a light-hearted more romantic um there's lots of marriage commissioners out there that just have one blanket script and it's not very tailored or unique to the couple so i provide a very unique and customized ceremony script yeah so i provide that i also do i can mc a wedding i also bartend and uh consult so yeah. if you have, I've been to many weddings and if you have any questions about different vendors, I have lots of connections being in the industry I'm in. Uh, I've worked a lot as a special events manager with different vendors, whether it's food vendors, venues, um, and different aspects like that. So I do have lots of connections in the Vernon and like Okanagan community. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that I'm a good asset for anybody who's getting married in that sense yeah. or just somebody to bounce ideas off of. So yeah, if you have, if you're getting married, if you have any friends who are getting married. Um, I am being very selective of how much time I put in just because it's not my full-time job. Yeah. And you so, only have weekends and there's only and so many weekends in the summer. Exactly. And I want some weekends to myself. Yeah. So, um, and to go to the weddings that I'm invited to. So basically to. if you're looking for something for next year, yes. get on it. Yeah. Next year. Um, yeah. I'm looking at, I do about like four, for a wedding season is kind yeah. of what I cap myself at. Yeah. And that's what I think I'm doing five this season just because they're pretty spaced out. So I thought I could take on a couple of more. Yeah. So yeah, I'm super excited about that though. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing information. Uh, thank you so much for thinking of me to come on here. I oh just, God, you're like my first thought. I, <laughs> I just love our connection that we've, we've had. I've known Emily yeah. since gosh, like, well, you're like your entire life. And then since yeah. I was five. Yeah. So we've known each other for so long stuff, but I yeah. really like how our friendship has blossomed. I think so too, because I actually was just saying this to Alicia recently that, so yeah, Abby and I like had to, not different social circles, but like, but different, but different. Yeah. Like me being older, like we just, we had yeah different social settings. Mm -hmm. Um, 
even though they're a little bit intertwined in ways. But yeah. anyway, I, it's been interesting now just being in a similar industry. Like I learn a lot from Abby. I hope that she learns a lot from me. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really like loving that as well. Yeah, I'm super excited for you. And the daily with Emily. Yes. This is so exciting. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure we'll do this again. Yes. 